0: The Business of Agriculture is brought to you by Land Trust. Have you heard how landowners are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use? Millions of outdoor recreators seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Landowners are partnering with the Recreation Access Network, Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit LandTrust.com slash BOA, as in business of agriculture, to learn more. That's LandTrust.com slash BOA. Greetings and welcome to another fantastic
1: episode of the Business of Agriculture podcast. It's me, your host, Damian Mason, coming at you once again with a topic that you're going to find interesting, amusing, fun, insightful, and forward-looking. I'm sitting here with Jeffrey Bewley. He's a Ph.D., he is uh, involved with the United States Registered Holsteins. That is a breed of dairy cows. In fact, it's the predominant breed of dairy cows. If you're watching this, you see over my shoulder right here a picture of a bunch of fine-looking bovine, Holsteins, in fact, uh, lined up at the feeding trough. The point is we're using technology. We're using a lot of technology in agriculture and particularly in dairy. The average consumer drives by, they might see a dairy farm, they go to the the dairy counter at the grocery store, they don't realize all that's going on behind the scenes on the farm to make a better cow and to make a better dairying operation. We're gonna delve into that because this is what we're talking about. When we talk about the future. We're gonna talk about technology and its application to improve cows and the business of dairy and then also we'll extrapolate as to how you might see some of this sort of thing coming to other industries within the broader industry of agriculture. Before we turn it over to my man to introduce him, I wanna remind you that the business of agriculture is both an audio and a video. You can check it out on YouTube, and I would like you to subscribe to the Damian Mason channel. Go on YouTube, type in Damian Mason channel, hit subscribe. It's as easy as that, it costs you nothing, and it'll help find more listeners, more viewers, because of the algorithms. Also, please share any of my episodes 209 i think now and counting with your non-agricultural friends so they can understand the great things we're doing out here in the world's most important industry the business of agriculture all right jeffrey buley um i get uh, i get a lot of different inquiries i talk to different people because i, I want to have them on my podcast and uh you came across my radar I'm like, okay. What's a PhD with a, who's a professional animal scientist going to tell me that can be interesting to my listeners? And then you and I had a brief chat about technology's application to make a better cow, to make a more efficient dairy. And then I said, okay, but we also got to remind us ourselves of why that's good for the industry, but why it's good for the participants, and then why it's good for the consumer. And you said, and you gave me a bunch of uh, information points. And I'm like, this guy. For a pointy head Ph.D., I'm like, this guy knows what he's talking about. And I might also add he did his Ph.D. work at Purdue University. So we both have the Purdue thing in common. Jeffrey, welcome to the business of agriculture. Thanks, Damian. All right. So um, you're a dairy farm kid uh, like me, uh, except for you're from Kentucky. Kind of take me from the beginning to the end because you've only been with U.S. registered Holsteins now for a year or a year and a half You're doing some pretty cool stuff But how does one fall into this where you've got this amount of education and you're working on some pretty interesting things that the average The average Joe is like what the hell are they talking about, you know monitoring milking times uh, And durations on cows in robotics. Why would this even matter? You're gonna tell us why but how does one get here? Kind of take me from the beginning
2: well, I grew up working with my grandfather on his 65-cow dairy in Kentucky, and I fell in love with the Holstein cow way back then, and I fell in love with data not long after that. So it quickly started studying the data relative to the dairy cows that we had back then, mm-hmm. and was developing spreadsheets and so forth when I was 12 or 13 years old while my friends were playing video games. Mm-hmm. And then... Over time, I I started studying animal sciences in college and just got more and more interested in what we could do with data and pursued advanced degrees in the area and then spent some time actually in any university system uh, doing research on technologies and then more recently have spent time in industry trying to do more to bring those technologies to fruition on, on dairy farms.
1: Yeah so uh you you're you're about 10 years younger than me so there I am growing up 1970s uh 80s on the dairy farm and Technology was uh, pretty rudimentary. We know we obviously had milking machines. As people, that, you know, you, you live in town, and, and they're like, "Now you still milk them by hand?" I'm like, "Holy shit! No, 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 no!" But you're talking about technology goes way beyond that. You know, we've always been innovative. We went to uh, milking uh, machines, and we went to you know new glass pipelines and, and coolers that could take a hundred degree milk and cool it down to thirty six degrees, like in an, you know in a half hour, hour. You know, we've done some really good things there. But we started getting really good about monitoring cow performance. When I was a kid, we brought out Dairy Herd Improvement Association representative uh, once a month, and he would monitor uh, the production per cow, and then also the milk would be sent in, and we'd break down the analytics on that, like, okay, this many uh, pounds of protein per gallon, et cetera. So you're looking at, okay, that's a really good cow because you get paid on components. A lot of our listeners don't understand that. You don't just sell a gallon of milk, dear listener. Tell us real quickly— about components about the from that very because that's some of the stuff you're monitoring talk about that
2: so we get paid for milk based on the the fat percentage and protein percentage in that milk because protein and fat are really important for most of the dairy products that we produce They they are important for fluid milk but I think a lot of people forget about how many dairy products there are and yeah. we think about cheese protein becomes very important we think about ice cream and butter butterfat percentage becomes very important so those are the reasons why we get paid for those components in milk yeah milk is
1: 90 plus percent water and so what you're really selling when you sell a gallon of milk is you're selling water with those components and then the the dairy farmer gets paid based on uh inc- you know there's a base level and then once you're above that you get a bonus for so much protein percentage and butter fat percentage etc because those are the products that we yank out of the milk to to make the dairy products as you said so you started thinking about this as a kid, and you're thinking about, okay, let's track this cow's performance. Let's look at what these cows are doing, and then we can make better decisions at the farm level based on the decisions. So you get out of your uh, PhD work, and then where did you go?
2: Really, uh, in some ways, I was just in the right place at the right time. What we've been able to do is take technologies that have been applied in other industries and bring the base technology to the dairy industry. We're surrounded by data. All of our lives, we're surrounded by Mm -hmm. data Mm -hmm. with our smartphones and social media and Google and so forth. And those same concepts that are used in those areas, we're able to take those concepts and bring them over to dairy. So take, for example, many people have a Fitbit or some similar technology for monitoring their activity. Well, we have Fitbits for cows. It uses the same best base technology, it's called an accelerometer that measures motion. And we put these Fitbits on cows, either in their ear, their neck, or on their leg to monitor things like overall activity, eating time, rumination time, lying time. And then that gives us so much information to understand The health and reproduction and well-being of that animal
1: yeah so what you're talking about uh, i rent my farm ground to a large-scale dairy operator he's got like 2500 cows two different operations one's robotic one is traditional or conventional if you will uh meaning they put milkers on them by hand versus robotics and you go to that facility and then on the cannon bone that's about where your wristwatch is uh dear listener uh on the front leg of the cow there is uh a monitoring bracelet, if you will, mm-hmm. and then that monitoring bracelet coincides to that cow. So that's cow number three dash nine fifty one A, and uh, that that monitor then is tied to a computer in the dairy office. So kind of, is that what you're talking about?
2: It's exactly what I'm talking about. And so
1: that, we've been doing that for quite a while.
2: That part's been around for at least a decade.
1: Yeah, we didn't do that when I was a kid. Right. Like dairy, you just had to go out and look and see the neck chain or the ear tag on that cow 3-851A, and you're like, oh, she looks like she's not eating much. But now you can actually monitor that with these cow Fitbits, if you will. Mm -hmm. We were doing that a while ago. And then what kind of information you talked about we're doing, what do we do with all that? Now we know that she lays around for uh, uh, nine hours a day. She's on her feet for the rest of the time of day. She's uh, standing at the feed area eating. What do
2: we do with that? We can identify when we need to breed cows. That's one piece of information we can do, but cows can't tell us when they're sick. They don't have the ability to say my stomach hurts. Right. Now those of us that grew up around cows know the signs to look for. But we can't watch the cow 24 hours a day. These tags, these devices watch the cow 24 hours a day. So they help tell us this cow's not feeling well. And then we're able to go in and help that cow deal with whatever's bothering her much sooner than what we could if we wait for that cow to really show us more serious signs. So we're able to improve the health and the well-being of that animal through this data. Not only at the individual animal level, but also we can look at, at the groups of animals and look at changes how our management is affecting the the amount of time the cows are spending lying down. For example, when we put new bedding down, yep, new sawdust or sand, cows lay down more. Uh-huh. So that that can be a sign to tell us, hey, it's time to put new more more new bedding because they're not lying around as much and right. all that. Okay, and then also
1: we're talking about production. You don't test you can't track production just because of a Fitbit, but yet we do. How does that work?
2: So uh, that's actually relatively old technology that we can have devices in the milking parlor that tell us how much milk each cow gives each milking. But where that's now advancing to a whole new level is that we now have technologies that can measure, you mentioned like the fat percentage and protein percentage, we have technologies that we can measure that every milking for every cow. Instead of it in the old days when you and I were kids, mm-hmm somebody would have to come to the farm and take a sample. Now there's a device that can sit there and measure that every milking for every cow. Not, also, just not just gallons and pounds, but also... The content of the milk. The components. And there's also, I think about it like, if you were a scientist, you, you, you need to take samples. Sometimes we take blood samples, for sure. example. Right. We have a lab on farm. We're collecting samples at least twice a day from every cow there's a lot of biology in that sample milk is a biological product so we can take samples to measure even more than that so there are biomarkers related to reproduction or health of the animal that we can even tell more stories through the data by by just monitoring the milk and in you know 5 or 10 years ago most of that would have involved Taking a sample and using some kind of a reagent to measure, but now this is using technology that just looks at the light pattern of the milk to be able to identify these differences. These differences in the milk. Okay, so we've been doing that for a while. You
1: didn't work in dairy uh, right when you got out of school. You didn't. You were in some other technology field, and then you came to Holsteins. Kind of, what were you doing that now extrapolates to this?
2: Well, I spent some time at in a university role doing research on technologies. I've developed some technologies from scratch and worked with a lot of commercial technologies, evaluating how they work, trying to help technical companies understand what the needs are at the farm level, and testing them to see how well do they work. Because this is really exciting, but just like any commercial product that we buy, just because somebody says it does what they think it does, it doesn't necessarily do that. So kind of a clearinghouse, to, to understand, do the technologies really work?
1: Or also, Jeffrey, there are the technologies that are really cool. And it's like, what the hell do I do with it? Uh, sure. That's neat. Hey, that's neat. Why do I care? Hey, that's neat. I don't know how to use it. Hey, that's neat. has no application to me. So that's another part of technology. You know, it's like, uh, you know, ride, riding bicycles wearing a Dumbo outfit is neat for in parades, but is it something that actually can make you money? I mean, whatever that thing
2: is. Yeah, and there's some data that, that to be honest, is not very useful. Yeah. Um, we need data that's useful not only useful but that that's economical to use so we have to think about what where we're going to apply that data how we can use it to change a decision and if somebody's going to invest in a system to measure whatever variable we're talking about that we can get a return on that investment and that's part of our role and part of what i do is try to assess technology so that i can communicate with dairy producers the kinds of things to ask the kinds of things to look for and how to use the data on farm.
1: All right, so here's the thing: you work for a breed organization. When the average person thinks of U.S. registered Holsteins, they like, okay, that's those black and white dairy cows. This must be the organization that does the paperwork to make sure that my heifer calf gets registered and named, you know, Midnight's Dixie Runner, uh, Showboat, etc. But you're not doing that. You're doing stuff that's actually more about production. Seems like maybe your organization is straying from what it originally did.
2: Well, everything you said is a very important part of what Holstein association does. The registration of the animals, the the tracking of pedigrees and so forth is is the base of Holstein association. But we need data to be able to continue to make progress in the Holstein breed. Okay. And we've used data as the foundation to make the massive amount of progress in everything that we've tried to make progress on so if you think about how much milk a cow gives that's because we've used the data of how much milk the current cows give to predict the genetics of future animals and also we have cows that have better udders that that help the cow last longer or right. better feet and legs mm-hmm. that help the cow have a healthier life so you,
1: you look at it as a uh your, your role can't just be signing up paperwork and saying that we are tracking pedigrees. It's got to be making better cows.
2: We want better cows. We want cows that are more profitable for the farmer and that, that have long, productive, healthy lives. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of what we've always done and what we're continuing to do. And And it's a neat opportunity now because all this data that we think now, well, here's a piece of data we used to not have. Yep. Now we can use this data. For example, we think about heat stress.
1: By the way, the person listening to this, are we talking about heat from the sun or the cow coming into heat and goes through a stress?
2: Mm, We're talking about heat from the sun. Okay, because uh,
1: it's a big deal. You know, cows, they're big animals. They eat a lot. They got hair. Uh, 90 degree day, 90% humidity like you have there in Kentucky In, in August. Those cows are panting.
2: That's right. Cows are not particularly heat tolerant. They like cold better. And they'll start experiencing heat stress. They're hot sooner than what we are. Yeah. Um. We do a lot for the cow to help deal with that. We have fans. We have sprinklers and all that sort of thing.
1: You go into these modern dairy farms, Jeffrey, like the guy that farms my land and, and milks cows. And I tell my suburban friends, I'm like, you know, this thing you've been told by PETA or Humane Society that these factory farms mistreat these cows. I'm like... Those cows are in such better treated f- facilities than they were 40 years ago when I was a kid growing up on a farm. We weren't bad to our animals, but we didn't have sprinklers that come on when it's hot and sp- and, and basically m- cool off the cattle. Fans every uh, couple hundred feet in those barns, moving the air. Better air in the barns because they're just built better. Uh, water, fresh water tanks every uh, couple hundred feet. I mean... I think those cows are treated like like you know amazingly well compared to what it was because like you said they don't uh, we we want to get the most out of them they do get stressed starting what 70 once it gets above about 70 degrees those cows start to get a little stressed
2: right and and so we can help them a lot with those environmental changes that you talked about but also there are some animals that handle heat better just like there are some people that handle heat better and until recently we didn't have the data to be able to help us determine which animals there are. Maybe in in somebody's herd, they can tell you that cow. She never gets faced by the heat stress. Yeah,
1: she still produces. She still produces eighty pounds of milk per day. It don't matter if it's hundred degrees outside. Right,
2: and, and that cow really struggles. Uh-huh. Well, now through technology, by measuring things like the response. To temperature, we can measure their core body temperature, or we can measure how much time they spend eating. Those are indicators of which animals are more tolerant of heat. Now we can potentially use that data in genetic evaluation statistically to determine who those animals are so they change our breeding philosophies for the future so that we can breed a cow that's more built for the environment that we have them in.
1: Fantastic. So we're tracking all this essentially on, like you said, it's either a Fitbit that goes on under, uh, under uh, I got it right, cannon bone, right? I'm remembering this mm-hmm. correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, cannon bone, uh, uh, or uh, on a neck strap or something in your ear, and then it ties to the computer. So, what do you see coming? Because you're the technology guy and you're doing all this for Holsteins. You're doing this to get it out to the producers. Is is, the, is your role more? Um, Telling the producers what they need to be doing or developing new stuff or all of the above?
2: All of the above. Not so much telling them, but helping them make decisions. And in order for us to be successful, our our producers have to be successful. So part of it is just purely helping them. And then part of it is helping them make, the, make better decisions about what technologies that they are using. And you, we talked about... Wearable technologies, the Fitbits, and we talked about milk based technologies. The other big technology area is is image based technologies. So just like in other parts of the world, including the automobile industry, there's a lot of use of cameras to do facial recognition of individual people in in what we talk about from humans or individual objects. Mm -hmm. In the automobile industry it's other cars, but in in the dairy industry, it's cows. Right. So we can identify what cows are doing through cameras. Mm-hmm. And that's a really neat application. Or maybe we can use that to pick up an animal that's, that's acting a little differently or measure things on the animal that tell us more about how we can manage that particular animal.
1: Jeffrey, what are we talking about? The animal's doing something differently. I mean, we talk about that she's going off feed because that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, not, not moving as well. It means there's a problem. She's got some leg or hip or, or uh, feet prob hoof problems is that what we're talking about?
2: That's exactly what we're talking about
1: okay you um when we we're starting to record this then told me something about that monitoring through technology, you knew when you were a kid growing up uh that okay, this cow takes longer to milk out. Well, she also just uh, had her calf, so the first hundred days after a cow has her calf is when she's at peak milk production. So therefore, it takes longer to milk out because she's giving a lot more milk than this cow over here that had her calf six months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, back on the farm, we didn't think about bunching them by, oh, these are the ones that just had all their calves. They should come in here now because we'll have all the milkers on for the longer amount of time. In other words, you're waiting. You're waiting on this Mm -hmm. one, waiting on that one. But that's how inefficiencies were back in the old days. Um, Just work a little harder, right? Mm-hmm. Now you're monitoring this and you're monitoring it how? You're saying this cow took three and a half minutes to milk out and and what's that what do we do with that?
2: Well, one could be to group cows in, in scenarios where we're we're moving animals through a parlor. Um grouping them by where they are the, the fast cow or or maybe we even have the fast cows are in this pen. The slow cows are in this pen.
1: We used to do that in reading groups when I was in elementary school. They had the fast <laughs> kids, the medium kids, and the slow kids, but uh, they didn't say it that
2: way. Right. We can do, we can do that <laughs> with cows, and they, they probably don't feel as bad if, if we do it. And then in a robotic system, um, we, we can we probably wanted to be a little bit more balanced within a group. Um, but, again, we can use that information to determine maybe a really slow milker. She's – even though she's very productive, maybe she isn't the best cow to have right. because she's slow. But really, it comes down to thinking about new metrics. So the new metric would be something like pounds of milk per minute. Yes. Instead of just looking at pounds of milk or minutes milking, it's pounds of milk per minute. Yeah. So we develop new metrics. And that's the other area that I think is really exciting. And the
1: listener's going to say, well, why would it matter if uh, if if she gives a lot of milk but takes a long time to do it?
2: Why would we care? Because... We have a limited capacity of of milking facility. equipment, yeah. so um, it's about throughput. The yeah. more animals that we can move through, the more efficient we are in, in the milking process. Yeah. So uh, another thing that I think is interesting is, I'm a big basketball fan, and in every sport, data is used extensively now, right, to improve how the game is played and to find out who the most efficient players are and the formula say for player efficiency rating isn't just two variables it's a combination of a lot of variables to determine who makes the biggest contribution to winning the game and in in the in basketball for example there's a player named Danny Green who plays for um the Philadelphia 76ers extremely efficient player but in in the old world people might not recognize it because He's just really good at a lot of things, but he's not great at any one thing. When you put it together statistically, he's awesome. And he makes a lot of money because... His player efficiency rating yeah, is really high. As
1: you're talking about he, he's 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 good off the dribble. He's uh, he's he plays very adequate defense. He'll pick you up a few rebounds. He'll get you six points. He doesn't have a he doesn't miss a lot. His percentage is pretty good. Uh, his free throw percentage. That's what you're talking about. He's like sort right. of, he's a B plus at a lot of things. Right. He's a B plus to an A minus at seven things versus being an A plus at
2: one thing. And, right. And D's and. and and
1: D minuses at the other stuff.
2: Exactly. So we can do this with cows now. We want with a data. It's a
1: bunch of B pluses.
2: We want a cow that's problem free. Yeah. That doesn't get sick very often. The best cow in the herd is the one we don't know who she is because we never had to work with her that much. There you
1: go. Never had to, never had to pull her calf. We, uh, we never
2: had to do those extra things. Never had to
1: bring her in and give her a bunch of treatment. Take her out of the, <laughs> the milking rotation. Uh, all right. Where do you see things going? Uh, and and again this matters to the producer, the stuff you're doing because you're giving them a better cow. Mm -hmm. Does it matter to the consumer, to the person that's my neighbor in Arizona that lives in a subdivision? Do they care? Does any of this matter?
2: It should um, because I think one of the things that's important is that as the dairy industry and dairy producers, we have a social responsibility as we're producing a high-quality product to do it in a socially responsible manner. And everything that we're doing First of all, helps improve the efficiency of the dairy. Yep. And that is all about resource allocation yep. and use. So we're more efficient at using resources like water and yeah. land and feed. And yeah. feed. So, and, yeah. so that all has a positive impact on the environment if and the more, industry. If
1: the idea is if we're getting more milk out of this cow, and this is what I always say, by the way, I knew the answer you are going to give me, but I want to make sure that our listeners got this. Because one of the things I tell my agricultural audiences is our consumers, don't care about how productive we are we love to tell them oh 220 bushel corn they're like i don't know what that means Mm -hmm. uh you know 85 pounds of milk out of that cow used to be 50 back when i was a kid now it's 85 pounds well why, why do i care well because we're using less land because we're using less feed to make each pound of milk so therefore, less land, less water, less natural resources. So yes, the, the angle there is we're getting more milk with less cows, which then if you're, if you're buying into this whole thing about methane or just allocation of resources, that's why the consumer should care about what we're doing. We're getting better at our job, uh, and that's good for
2: resources. Right. And the other piece that's so important to me and every dairy farmer is, is we want that cow to have as good a life as possible. We want her to be healthy. We want her to be content. We want her to be happy. And, and these technologies help us to do that because they tell us management wise things that we should be doing better. And they tell us individual animals that maybe we can help out individually because that data tells us so much about how healthy and happy those cows are. And, and we do everything we can to make sure they have as great of a life as possible.
1: Yeah. I like it. All right. Um, the future, uh, where do we go? Do we uh, do we get to where you and I are just sitting here and we look at our phone and the cows are all taken care of and milked and I don't have to go out there and do anything?
2: Not completely.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it's ever going to get that way. There is still a lot of you still need some eyeballs on them, don't you? You
2: still need some eyeballs. You still need people that understand how to work around animals, people that can read cows, Um, and and I think actually it it increases the need for those kind of people, but um, it may be that it takes one person per x cows instead of five people per x cows to be able to do that and it also provides a higher quality of life for those individuals working with the animals fewer monotonous tasks and and perhaps a little more time freedom
1: yeah so do we go eventually does technology get to where all the cows are milked by robots because it's not that way right now
2: no it's not but i think at some point it will be a very high percentage and, and some of that's that's labor availability, and uh, this is a task that we can do with a robot pretty well because it is a repetitive task. Uh, so I think I, I don't know the percentage of animals today; it's ten or fifteen percent, maybe in the U.S. Uh, in in other countries, it's it's more like sixty or seventy percent. But I think we'll see that trend continue in, in the future to more cows being milked by robots. Yeah, I
1: think so too.
2: When you look in your crystal ball, what else do you see? <clears throat> um, we're gonna have. We're gonna have healthier cows. We're gonna have more efficient cows. We're gonna have fewer problems because we're we're trying to breed for that cow, and it's working. Mm-hmm. And we're doing everything we can for the environment and the nutrition to to make that healthy, happy cow. So that's really important that we have that. And we're going to be data driven. Sports bureaus data driven. All retails, data driven. Sure. We're going to be data driven.
1: Is I mean, you start naming. It. Yes. What about uh, uh, What about um, the the uh the technology that uh it's such that the industry's always been kind of a break-even thing does technology matter i mean we didn't make a lot of money dairy farming talk to these guys here at the world dairy expo they're not making a lot of money right now they're working a lot is dairy always going to be that way and does technology make a difference in terms of profitability
2: it can but it has to be the right technology for the right farm You can't just buy a bunch of technologies and expect things going to get better and at some point you're not going to get a return if you just keep him buying more technologies so it's it's a tool in the toolbox it's one investment that a dairy farmer can make they can make lots of investments technology is only a piece of the puzzle it can help but it won't it's not an end-all be-all for a dairy farm profitability
1: Jeffrey, you're a pretty positive guy. Is there anything that, that has you bummed, a negative, scared, worried, concerns? Is there anything that you look at and you're like, kind of annoyed, bothered, scared, pissed off about, uh, nervous about when you look at our industry?
2: I, there's always uncertainty and risk. And so and agriculture is, is inherently very risky and, and lots of uncertainty, biological uncertainty, weather uncertainty. And how we deal with that makes us all nervous at times.
1: Do you see grass fed dairying being more of a uh, of a product as efficiencies make it so that you can actually do that better and consumer taste change it? And also now we're tracking those animals and we can say, hey, there's a there's a cow here that performs in the non-conventional format.
2: I don't know. I I think the grass based model makes sense in some some cases Um, in general we don't get as much milk per animal right so there's an efficiency reduction it may take more land right to have a more cows on a on a grass-based system so unless it does, it
1: does fly a little bit in the face of efficiency
2: yeah unless the consumer really demands we want all grass-fed milk yeah, right uh, i don't foresee that
1: what technology uh has uh, that you think might be coming that i'm not even thinking about is
2: there anything we haven't covered there's, there's lots of technologies also on the automation side. So yes. automated manure collection, automated feed delivery, and those things are, aren't necessarily as directly related to data, yep. but they they can have a very positive impact on the animal and, and the farmer. So to me, we talk a lot about animal well-being, and, and I always will talk a lot about animal well-being, but also what's very important to me is farmer well-being. Yeah, right. And, and both of those need to go hand in hand to me.
1: I agree with you. Uh, it's a labor-intensive industry still, and and, and we've we've made it so that it's still a lot of work. It's just maybe you're not throwing around as many small square bales as we used to, or carrying as many buckets, but still a lot of work. What's your favorite dairy product? Mine's chocolate milk. I drink a chocolate milk every day, that I, unless I'm traveling and I'm in a place where I can't get it. What's your favorite dairy product?
2: Extra sharp cheddar cheese.
1: Extra sharp cheddar cheese. You like the stuff that's dried down a little bit, or the stuff that's more moist? I like the stuff that sort of crumbles.
2: I like a little more moist, but yeah. I love cheese.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Is it gotta be made with a Holstein milk or could it be made with Jersey, Guernsey, Brown Swiss, Ayrshire, Milk and Shorthorn?
2: It can be made by any 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 cow.
1: <laughs> I don't know if you're supposed to say that since you're with US Registered know. Holsteins.
2: I'm a i am am with registered Holsteins and I love Registered Holsteins, but that I I appreciate the other breeds too.
1: Uh, that's good for you. About ninety percent of the US herd probably is Holstein. That's just about right. Exactly. I'm a brown Swiss guy. His name is Jeffrey Bewley. If they want to look you up, I you know somebody just wants to interview you because they have a question about the industry or technology. Uh, J Buley, that's Bewley, that's B E W L E Y J Jay at Holstein, H O L S T E I N dot com, Jay Bewley at Holstein dot com, or go on HolsteinUSA.com. dot com and then, and, uh, and you guys that what I do?
2: Yes. And also, um, we've, we have this new center for technology development and, and evaluation. We're calling it the Smart Holstein Lab. Fantastic. So smartholstein.com follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And we have a website that you can go look at. And you don't have to
1: be a member of the any kind of a Holstein registry association to get to see this information. No. And you're calling it again the Smart, smart Holstein Lab. Smart Holstein Lab. It's not just for smart Holstein cows. It's for smart agricultural people that want to see what we're doing that's smart in the industry
2: yes and of course what we see to the general public is very important, too. That's exactly right. And do you think that the Holsteins are smart? I mean, there's some dumb cows, too, right? (laughs) It's about making the system smarter through data. (laughs) But uh, if you work with cows long enough, you know there's some days you think they're brilliant and some days you wonder. That's
1: that's exactly right. (laughs) His name is Jeffrey Bewley. My name is Damian Mason. You've been listening to The Business of Agriculture. Uh, Please share this with your friends and uh, hit subscribe on my YouTube channel. We love that you are here. We appreciate you being here. Till next time, thanks for being here, sir. Thank you. Until next time, it's the Business of Agriculture.
0: This episode of The Business of Agriculture was brought to you by Land Trust. Landowners, just like you, are increasing profitability by adding recreation to their portfolio of land use. Millions of recreators actively seek wide open spaces for bird watching, photography, hunting, fishing, horseback riding, and many other farm and ranch activities. Owners of Farm and Ranch Properties are partnering with Recreation Access Network, Land Trust. Land Trust is an online platform connecting recreators with landowners for outdoor experiences on their land to increase profitability. Visit LandTrust.com slash BOA, as in business of agriculture, to learn more. That's LandTrust.com slash BOA.